It is my great joy to welcome you to this commencement ceremony for the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. I would direct your attention to the front cover of the program. There at the very top of the program, you will read this. 219th commencement exercises of the 158th session of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. This is not our first rodeo. We have done this before. 219 graduations of this institution, reaching back to the year 1859 when the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary was established. That is a humbling realization. We look out upon these graduates in the class of May of 2017 and what we must imagine is this army joining a larger army who have gone out from this institution to the ends of the earth reaching all the way back to the year 1859 and behind them to an army that existed long before this institution was established reaching all the way back into the pages of the New Testament and the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thus we're not gathered here by accident. Before us are over 300 new graduates of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary arrayed in all of their commencement glory. Beside them sits one of the most remarkable assemblies of scholar teachers ever to serve Christ's church. Filling out this congregation are those who came to celebrate and to witness this great moment. Wives, parents, grandparents, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters, friends and pastors all gathered for an event that commands our attention and seizes our hearts. I would direct you to scripture, to the book of Acts, chapter 6, verses 8 through 15. Acts 6, 8 to 15, where we read, And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs amongst the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and those from Cilicia and Asia rose up and disputed with Stephen, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Then they secretly instigated men who said, we've heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes, and they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council and they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law, for we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. The Christian ministry has never been for the faint of heart. The ministry biblically defined is combat duty and spiritual warfare. These graduates have been prepared to be frontline officers in that warfare, and today is a central moment in their commissioning. They're to be sent out as ambassadors for the gospel of Christ, as heralds of the kingdom that cannot be shaken, as stewards of the mysteries of God, good soldiers of King Jesus. In the centuries since the apostles, the ministry has not changed, the assignment has not changed, but the context has changed and changed and changed again. Jesus told his disciples, Behold, I am sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. 
So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. The wolves have not, over the centuries, grown friendlier. At every Southern Seminary graduation, we remind one another of the grand and essential fact that the Christian ministry is not a mere profession. It is a divine calling. The ministry is one of Christ's gifts to his church. It is one of the most serious, indeed, the most serious and joyous of all callings. I think often of the venerable words of the old Book of Common Prayer of the Church of England for the ordering of the ministry. These words are spoken to new ministers of the word. I read, you have heard brethren, as well as in your private examination, as in the exhortation which was now made to you and in the holy lessons taken out of the gospel and the writing of the apostles, of what dignity and how great importance this office is, whereunto ye are called. And now again we exhort you in the name of our Lord Christ Jesus, that you have in remembrance into how high a dignity and to how weighty an office and charge ye are called. That is to say, to be messengers, watchmen, and stewards of the Lord, to teach and to premonish, to feed and provide for the Lord's family, to seek for Christ's sheep that are dispersed abroad, and for his children who are in the midst of this naughty world, that they may be saved through Christ forever. That charge continues. Have always therefore printed in your remembrance how great a treasure is contributed, is committed to your charge. For they are the sheep of Christ, which he bought with his death and for whom he shed his blood. The church and congregation whom you must serve is his spouse and his body. And if it shall happen the same church or any member thereof to take any hurt or hindrance by reason of your negligence, ye know the greatness of the fault and also the horrible punishment that will ensue. Wherefore, consider with yourselves the end of your ministry towards the children of God, towards the spouse and body of Christ, and see that you never cease your labor, your care and diligence until you have done all that lieth in you, accorded to your bounded duty, to bring all such as are or shall be committed to your charge unto that agreement in the faith and knowledge of God and to that ripeness and perfectness of age in Christ, that there be no place left among you, either for error in religion or for viciousness in life. Those words well summarized, to say the least, a rather demanding job description. To that, we would here and now never say less, but rather even more. I directed our attention to Acts 6 and the story of Stephen, known well to us as the first Christian martyr. Note how quickly the situation changes. In the text preceding, Stephen, described as a man of faith and of the Holy Spirit, full of faith, is chosen as one of the first deacons to serve the Christian church. When he and others of the seven are chosen, we are told that the word of God continued to increase and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. In the very next verse, we are told that Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs amongst the people. Evidently, that got attention. The opposition came and it was fierce. Stephen was faithful and he was effective. Luke tells us they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. And you know what followed. 
they instigated amongst the crowd those who would bear false witness against Stephen. And they brought these false charges against him. And they pressed those charges all the way until they stoned Stephen to death. However, this was not before Stephen presented yet another great oration. In this case, a tremendous display of biblical theology. They accused Stephen of presenting the gospel and presenting it quite effectively. They could not withstand his speaking, so they killed him. I draw our attention to Stephen's example and particularly to perhaps the most neglected verse in this narrative. Those words are these. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Luke chapter 6, verse 15. What are we to make of this? Well, remember, first of all, that Stephen's false accusers had charged him with speaking blasphemous words against Moses and God. But now we are told that Stephen, facing this very accusation, had the very appearance of Moses after he had been on the holy mountain with God. As was the case with Moses, his face was like the face of an angel. His very face, his countenance, his appearance was the refutation of the charges that were made against him, particularly invoking the memory of Moses. But I think there's another problem why we just do not look to this verse very often or draw much attention to it. And that is almost entirely due to the contemporary fascination and misunderstanding concerning angels. In the Bible, as you well know, angels are not sweet cherubic creatures seeking to bring cuteness to a room. They are messengers of God. They inspired in every case awe and fear. Their purpose was to bring a message from the one true God. That is the ministry of the Word of God, the ministry we celebrate in these very graduates today. We dare to pray that when they preach, when they bring the message from God's Word, in this sense, their faces look like the faces of angels. Not cute, never harmless, not ready to jump off of a greeting card, but fearless, faithful, forceful, to the end. A commencement ceremony takes a quick view backward in order to aim at the long view of the future. This day is far more about beginnings than endings, but it is about both. The completion of these monumentally important programs of study is appropriately marked and celebrated, but our hearts are drawn to the future as we imagine what God will do by His grace and for His glory in these graduates now arrayed before us. And so our focus is on the start of new ministries. It's on the beginning of new missionary journeys. It's on the inauguration of opportunities to serve the church for whom Christ died. These graduates go out now to build upon what others have already built. We will all build on the foundation someone else has laid. Even as the Lord grants opportunity to sow seed, we will spend much of our lives and ministries watering what others have planted, even as we plant what others will then water. The Christian ministry is not a career. It is a calling that originates in the sovereign majesty of God. It's concluded only by the coming of the kingdom of God and of his Christ. 
In the church age, ministry is handed from generation to generation. Our humble determination and our heart's desire must be to receive this charge and to serve faithfully, planting and watering in the fields of ministry, taking care how we build upon the foundation laid before us. The Lord God spoke through his prophet Joel to promise that older men will dream dreams and young men will see visions. Powerful, faithful, and compelling dreams and visions animate these graduates today. They were brought here to this seminary as they were called to ministry. These visions and dreams have kept them here through years of dedicated study, and those dreams and visions propel them now onward as they go out into a world of ministry and mission. But as they go, they join a line of faithfulness that reaches back to Moses and Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, Jeremiah and Ezekiel, John the Baptist and John the Evangelist, Peter and Philip, Paul and Apollos. It extends through generations punctuated by names such as Athanasius and Augustine, Luther and Calvin, Whitfield and Wesley, Owens and Edwards, Spurgeon and Moody, and so on it goes. Build faithfully upon the foundation laid by Christ and the apostles. Receive the stewardship of ministry that is passed on to you and give your all to this calling as long as you shall live. Then and only then pass this ministry on to a generation yet unseen and unborn to continue this ministry and extend the reach of the gospel until Jesus comes. An occasion like this is necessarily emotional. It's sentimental. It's more than that, but it's never less than that. And that's a part of the authenticity of this event. We look out upon these graduates and we do not see them just as a mass who will be counted as the graduating class of 2017. Every single one of them is an individual known and loved and called. In every one of these lives, other lives have been channeled into every one of these lives Prayer and support and investment has been made. In every one of these lives, hope is now the expectation. In every one of these lives, the next step is anticipated by many, some of whom are gathered here amongst this great congregation. Others could not physically be present, but they are spiritually present, and some who have gone on to be with the Lord are a part of the story of how these graduates have arrived at this moment. And thus we all feel the weight of it. We feel the glory of it. And it's not, it's not a coincidence, it's not an accident that weight and glory are combined in terms of the scriptural understanding. So today we feel the weight, we feel the glory, we feel the hope, we feel the anticipation, the love and the expectation. But we want to remember as we are gathered here that we look at these graduates and understand that they are joining a far larger core. They are called to a warfare that has already been long fought. They are indeed the recipients of a theological education that qualifies them in every way to be in the officer class of this great army. And thus we send them out. To these graduates, our exhortation is to start something you cannot finish. Give yourself to it for the length of your days with the strength of your life to the glory of God. Dream dreams and see visions and take up this calling as you plant and water in the fields of Christ. Build carefully upon the foundation laid for you. The hopes and prayers of God's faithful people go with you. And as you go out, 
as messengers of God. And as you preach and teach the word of God, we pray that you will go out with the faces of angels. So may it be to the glory of God.